Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome, River Church. If you are watching online, welcome. Glad that you are tuning in this morning from vacation or homesick with your kids or wherever you might be this morning. Um, glad that uh, you guys are here. I, I do have a question about the Go Local project yesterday. So I was not there. Did you all make peanut and butter and jelly sandwiches for the dogs? Is that what that picture was? Yes? Okay. All right. Peanut butter Oh, you put peanut butter in the little... Okay, good, good, good. I just give my dog dog bones, but whatever, okay. Um, hey, uh, so a couple things. If you are, are a volunteer, I want to let you know, remind you that today from 5 to 7, we are giving you a little bit of free ice cream at Baskin Robbins, and so the weather may be a little drizzly, but we're going to do it anyway. So that's going to be 5 to 7 if you're a volunteer. Come on down, have an ice cream scoop on us. Uh, We'd love to see you and just celebrate you and say thank you for serving. If you are not a volunteer, uh, I would love to get you involved in volunteering uh, at Riverridge Church. uh, And now is really a great time to jump in because the fall, there's typically a little bit of turnover with people going to college, people moving away, and there's typically a need to, um, to refill some positions. And so if you're not serving, love to have you be a part of it, especially if you've been kind of dipping your toe into River Ridge going, yeah, I kind of like this place. I want to get to know some folks. Uh, serving is a fantastic way to get to know some folks. So I encourage you uh, to sign up to serve. You can fill out the, uh, in your seat back, the little thing that says, I'm in. If you're watching online and you'd like to serve, just go to riverage.church and then click the sign up for anything button and you can follow the links there. So love to have you do that. Um, by the way, uh, so I went swimming on Friday and I have water in my left ear. So if you guys on the left side shout like, amen, praise God, I'm not going to hear you. If you shout something like, shut up, that was awful, be quiet, also not going to hear you. So just want to let you know that if we have a conversation in the lobby and I nod and smile and you're talking into this ear, I have no idea what you said. So today we are uh, wrapping up our sermon series in the book of Judges. Um, And this has been a great series. I have absolutely loved it. Uh, I hope that you have liked it. Um, And I think I probably have, honestly, I think I've liked it more than anybody else in the church just because I've had the opportunity to dig in so many weeks uh, and uncover some of the weird and odd and great stories from the book of Judges. I want to let you know that next week we're going to start a new sermon series, uh, and it's going to be on the church. And what is God's purpose for the church, because I think we look around, there's all kinds of different things that churches are doing and things that we've done. And so we're going to look at this and say, what is the role of the church in our world? What was God's design for? And then what was our role or what is God's role or design for us to be a part of the church? So I encourage you to come and be a part of that. That's going to be a five-week sermon series. So I want to open with a question this morning. And the question uh, is this. As you think about yourself, would you qualify yourself as someone who kind of lives close to the edge, who kind of likes to take risks to kind of get close to the edge and kind of live that way? Or would you qualify or classify yourself as someone who kind of is a little bit farther back from the edge, not quite the risk taker? And kind of how close to the edge do you like to get? You can, you can think about this in a number of different sort of context. Like if you've ever been to the New River Gorge and you've hiked Endless Wall or uh, Long Point Trail, both of those have beautiful overlooks. And so if you're at that overlook, are you the kind of person who's getting really close to the edge and kind of looking over? Or are you more like 
I'm going to stay about 10 feet back and I can get just a fine view from here. Which, which type would you be? Or another example would be when you're catching a plane, right? Are you a kind of push the envelope sort of person, like have just enough time to get security, just enough time to get on the plane and I, and I make my plane? Or are you like, I'm going to be there two hours for domestic and three hours early for international, right? Even if it's Charleston Airport and nobody is ever there three hours ahead. I'm going to be, you know, where do you fall in that? Or how about when it comes to speed limit, right? Are you the kind of person like the speed limit is 70, so I'm going to go 69 and a half, you're going to go 65, or you're like, they don't really pull you over until you're more than seven miles over the speed limit, so I'm going to go 76 and a half, you know, where do you fall in that? So, and, and I kind of want to get you thinking about how close to the edge do you live? And, and I have, honestly, I've kind of put this in sort of a binary way of like, you're either this, you're that. But I think for a lot of us, it, you know, in one type of situation, we tend to be more live close to the edge. In the other situation, we're more conservative and kind of stay back in other areas of life. And I bring this up because this morning... As we finish up the book of Judges, we're going to look at the final judge in the book of Judges, and his name is Samson. And we're going to see that Samson was a guy who lived his life as close to the edge as possible. But that wasn't always a good thing. In a lot of cases, it was a bad thing because he lived so close to the edge that he fell over the edge, if you will. And he lived his life in that way, and so we're going to look at his life. And we're going to take sort of a backwards approach to the life of Samson today. And backwards in this is that the subtitle of the messenger, if you're filling out the blanks, it's, it's this. It's how to fail with God in five easy steps. Okay? So if you want to fail with God in life, then follow these five easy steps and you will fail for sure. Um, so that's what we're going to do this morning. So we're going to be in Judges chapter 13, if you would like to open up your Bible to that. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look into Samson's life, uh, I pray that you would show us the, the mistakes that Samson made, the, the things that he did that we don't want to imitate, and that you would teach us through his kind of negative example, Lord, uh, because we do. We want to honor you with our lives. Uh, we want to succeed in our walk with you, um, and yet Samson failed in so many ways. So let us learn from him this morning. Speak to us the things you want us to see and understand. In Jesus' name, amen. So Judges 13 begins this way. It says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. And it says, And the people, uh, and the people of Israel again did what was evil. It could really say again, and again, and again. And we've seen this cycle over and over and over, where the people of God disobey God, they stop worshiping, and they start worshiping idols, and then a country comes in, a people come in and dominate them. That's the Philistines. And so it says, for 40 years they've been dominated by the Philistines. And so now God is going to raise up a judge. And a judge is one that brings back kind of brings about what God wants to bring about. And so the person is, as we've already said, is Samson. But if you've been reading along uh, through the book of Judges, you'll notice uh, this one is a little bit different than the other books of, uh, or the other Judges. And here's how this is a little bit different, is that God comes, or an angel comes to the mother 
of Samson, the mother and father, and says, this is what's going to happen. This is unique with this. And so we're going to listen in on that conversation of what would Samson be like. So this is Judges chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So those are the instructions to the mom. It says, uh, bear, you're going to bear a son. And then it says, no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And so this angel comes to the mother and says, you're going to bear a son. He's going to take what's called a Nazarite vow. If you want to read about a Nazarite vow, it's de- described in detail in Numbers chapter 6. We're not going to look at it. But there's basically three major elements of a Nazarite vow. One is that the person doesn't cut their hair. The second is that they don't drink alcohol. And the third is that they're not allowed to be around dead bodies, okay? Or dead carcasses, right? So those are the three things that are part of the Nazarite vow. And so Samson takes this Nazarite vow, uh, and then he gets to the age where he's ready to get married. And he looks around, and he wants to get married, and he finds this woman who is gorgeous, but she is a Philistine. And so skipping to chapter 14, verse 2, he says this, and he's speaking to his parents. He says, Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. So Samson, remember that his call in life is he's to overthrow the Philistines, to be the freedom fighter, essentially, for Israel, to lead them in that. And the Nazarite vow, and we'll learn this a little bit later, but he has the long hair because he has this great strength. So his, his role in life, his, his, his assignment from God, is to throw off the Philistines. But yet what he wants to do is he wants to go and marry a Philistine. And so his mother and father are like, Samson, this doesn't make any sense. Like, if this is your role, and this is your goal, and this is what God has called you to, marrying a Philistine woman is not going to get you closer to that. You shouldn't do it. And they even say that she is an uncircumcised, or people of the uncircumcised Philistines. And this is not a racial thing, like, don't marry somebody of another race. It's not that at all. What it is, it's saying that these people, the Philistines, are uncircumcised, meaning that was their way of saying they are not followers of God. And find somebody among our people who is a follower of God. This takes us to the first how to fail with God in five easy steps. Step one, pick people who don't follow God to influence you the most. Pick people who don't follow God to influence you the most. Surround yourself with people who are going to influence you, those closest to you, They're going to push you away from God. If you want to fail with God, be influenced by those types of people. How do you do with that? As you think about the people who influence you the most, do they affirm where you're going with God? Or are they neutral? Or are they drawing you away from God? The example that we have here of 
Samson is specifically about marriage. If you are single, right, and, and if you're single this morning, whether you are single in 15, 18, 25, 39, 78, if you are single, the person who's going to have the greatest effect on your life, more than likely, in 99% of the time, is going to be your husband or your wife, the person that you are going to marry. And so as you consider that, ask the question, is this person that I'm going to marry, or I'm considering marrying, or even this person I'm dating, do they push me closer to God, draw me closer to God, or do they draw me away from God? I was talking to a friend recently in a pretty honest conversation, and I, and I asked her, I said, are you afraid of ending up single your whole life? Like, are you, is that something that you're afraid of? And again, it was a pretty honest conversation, and she said, a little, but what I'm more afraid of is marrying the wrong person. And I tell you, that was like such incredible mature wisdom out of this friend of mine. Like, I, I am a bit worried about ending up single for life, but it's much more concerned that I would marry the wrong person. In other words, marry somebody that doesn't draw her towards Christ and push her towards Christ. And even as you look at your circle of friends, the people that have the greatest influence on you, are they helping you to grow in your love for God? Are they pushing you and, and helping you and encouraging you and modeling for you how to love people better? Or are they pulling you away? Now, that's not to say, I'm not saying don't be friends with people who aren't Christians, don't be friends with people who are, who are not following God. I'm not saying that at all, because we are called to be friends to people. But the question you kind of got to be honest with yourself. It's a question of influence. Who are the people that are influencing you the most? Because if the people who are influencing you the most are not Christians, are not pushing you towards God, then you might need to reevaluate kind of the ebb and flow of that relationship. The next verse says this, and it sounds a little contradictory, and so I wanted to read it and make sure we understand how it fits. Verse 4, it says, his mother and father did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. The narrator of the book of Judges is letting us as the reader know, mom and dad, they were correct that Samson shouldn't marry this Philistine. But God was able to use Samson's weakness to bring about the ultimate end that he was going to bring about. And we'll kind of get to that a little bit later in the story. Here's the second easy step to fail with God. It comes from the same passage, verse 3, the end of it. It says this. It says, but Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Notice that phrase that Samson says, she is right in my eyes. If you've been reading along in the book of Judges, if you've been here for any of the Sundays, you notice that one of the phrases that comes up over and over again in the book of Judges is, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Each did what he wanted to do. It's that type of phrase. And so we look at Samson and we realize he's no different than all the other Israelites. He's like, I just want to do what is right in my own eyes. I don't care what you say, mom and dad. I don't care what you say, God. I want to do what is right in my own eyes. And at least he's honest enough to say that. We'll give him a little bit of credit there. 
But that takes us to the second way, the second easy way to fail with God, is do what is right in your own eyes. Do what is right in your own eyes. As we get closer to the uh, 20th anniversary of Rivers Church, I've been looking back at some videos and I've been getting a little bit nostalgic. Uh, and I came across a video uh, from, I think it's probably 15 years ago. Uh, and so it's a little bit grainy, it's a little bit poor quality, um, but it goes to this idea of doing what is right in our own eyes. And so if you can suffer through a little bit of bad video, you can hear the audio just fine. Uh, I want you to watch this video. Hello, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, and I go to church. Uh, what, what you doing there? Well, I have a new cut and paste function. Oh, I see. Actually, it's more of a cut and delete function. What's this say? Do not let the sun go down in your anger. That, that, that sounds like a verse from the Bible. It is, and I didn't like it, so I hit control delete and out it comes. Hmm. Uh, Flee from sexual immorality. You don't like that verse either? No, that's the wrong approach. See, I try to get as close as I can to immorality without actually stepping across the line. Uh, how, how's that working for you? Well, see, you have a Bible there. Let yeah, me see that. Yeah, I do. Sure. Got a Bible marker. We'll right. open it up and see what it says. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. You wouldn't really forgive someone seven times in a day for the same thing now, would you? Well, with God's help, I could. Oh, there you go. Bring God into it. That's fair. The creator of the whole universe, and you're going to get him to help you with the Bible? Oh, calm down. Calm down. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> L listen, uh, you've got the creator of the universe on your side, and all I've got is this pair of scissors. It, it, it's okay. Uh, listen, can I please have my Bible? Look. I love that video. You know, but it, it really it speaks to this idea of each one did what was right in his own eyes. Because what happens is we read the Bible, and if we come across something that is too hard, we're like, we kind of snip it out. We don't really cut it out with scissors, but we're going to go, uh, I'm not going to follow that. Or we come across something in the Bible that we don't like, that just we don't want to follow what it says, and we're like, I'm not going to do that. Or we come across something in the Bible, and we basically kind of justify it. It's like, I, that's a good truth. That's a good commandment. That's a good principle for other people. But my life, my situation is kind of the exception to that. So that doesn't apply to me. And that's what we do. And that is the same as saying, and everyone did right in his own eyes because we then decide what should be and what shouldn't be in terms of how we live our lives. If you want to fail with God, keep on doing what is right in your own eyes. We're going to skip a few stories about Samson. So we're going to skip the end of chapter 14, all of chapter 15, and the first few verses in chapter 16. But I would encourage you to go and read those because there's some really cool and whacked out stories in there. He tells a riddle about a dead lion. He takes the tails of two foxes and ties them together and lights them on fire. Uh, he kills a thousand men with the... Uh, jawbone of a donkey, uh, and he visits a prostitute. So 
Woo! Lots of exciting stuff that we're missing there. Um, so, but I want to take us um, to the final story, um, and it's the story of Samson and Delilah. And, and if you've heard about Samson or if you listen to the song from the 80s, Samson and Delilah is probably the most famous part of the story of Samson. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 16, verse 4. It says this. It says, After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistine came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies. Now, we know that his great strength lies in his hair, but they didn't know that. And so they were trying to figure out. And so they go up to Delilah, the, the Philistine rulers, and they say, we will each give you 1,100 shekels if you will get close to Samson. He's got the hots for you, and we want you to figure out what is the secret of his strength, right? 1,100 shekels each. There were five kings of the Philistines. Uh, 10 shekels would equal about one year's wage. And so whatever you make a year, they were offering her 550 times that in order to find out the source of his strength. Like that was a lot of cash. So she says to him, verse 6, she says, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. And so then they go through this kind of dance, if you will, three times over. So he says, you know, here's how you can subdue my strength. If you take bowstrings, like a bow and arrow, you take seven of those that have never been used, and you tie me up with those, I'll be as weak as any other man. And so she does that. She ties him up, and then to test him, she says, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he just snaps them like they're twigs, breaks out of them. She goes, no, come on, really, really, tell me what is the source of your strength. She goes, okay, okay, okay. If you take three, or excuse me, take, me, take seven ropes and tie me up with those, and ropes that have never been used, tie me up with those, then I'll be weak as anybody else. So she, he's asleep, ties him up, and then again she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Again, he just snaps them, gets free. So then... One more, she says this. Come on, tell me, Samson. He says, okay, okay. If you take my locks, you see my long, beautiful locks? If you take them and you put them in a weaver's, like a, a weaving thing, like, like you weave fabric, if you weave it into a loom, then all my strength will be gone. Now, remember, what is the source of Samson's strength? His hair, right? Now, she does that, he breaks free. But that one is a little bit different than the other ones, right? Because string, a bowstring, a rope, had nothing to do with his strength. But he's getting closer to the edge. Now it's like it's about my hair. And he kind of puts that out there a little bit closer to her. Here's the third way to fail. Get as close as you can to the line of sin. Get as close as you can to the line of sin. That's what uh, I think Brad said in the, um, in the little commercial thing that we filmed. But if you want to fail, try and get as close to the line of sin without actually falling over it. And that applies in all kinds of, in all different areas of life. It applies to being physical with your boyfriend or girlfriend. 
You know, the question that, that I was always asked when I was working with students is, well, how far can we go physically before it's a sin? But it's the wrong question to ask. The question is how far, isn't how far can we go, it's how pure can we be? It applies to how we talk about people. Like, how much is, like, like, what really counts as gossip? Like, how close, how much can I say before it actually is gossip? Well, instead, why not ask the question, how well can I speak of people? How can I encourage people instead of how close can I get to the line? It's true when it comes to business ethics and integrity. Instead of asking, well, well, can I do this? Is this over the line? Instead, ask the question, how much integrity can I have? How much honesty can I have? How much truthfulness can I have in all of my business dealings? It's not a question of how close can we get to the line. It's how far from it can we stay? How pure and righteous can we stay? So after the third failed attempt uh, uh, to figure out Samson's strength, she turns up the heat, and let's hear it from her lips. This is verse 15. She says this. She says, And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. If you've ever been manipulated in your life, probably sounded something like this. <laughs> if you want to try and manipulate somebody in your life, make it sound like this. If you really loved me, I mean, if you really cared for me, if this relationship means anything to you, then you'll tell me because you're not being totally truthful. Man. You're not sharing your whole heart with me. And it says that she did this day after day after day. And then it says this. It says, A razor has never come upon, come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. Here's the fourth thing. If you want to fail with God, please the people around you instead of pleasing God. Please the people around you instead of pleasing God. You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with pleasing people, but it becomes a problem. Pleasing other people becomes a problem when one of two things kind of clicks in. One is if pleasing other people is always our major component of making a decision, that's when it's a problem. If, if I'm going to make the decision based on who is happy and who is not happy, we're going to get ourselves into a world of trouble. The other way that people-pleasing becomes a huge issue is when we decide that we're going to please a person instead of pleasing God. That we know, like, this is what God wants me to do, but if I do that, this person is going to be so disappointed. This person is going to be so angry. This person is going to be so upset. There might be these problems, and we weigh that decision, and so we please the people around us instead of pleasing God. If you want to fail... Go ahead and please people. But if you want to succeed with God, please God regardless of the consequences of what that means in terms of the ripple effects of people in your life. So the, the story of Samson and Delilah concludes, and this time she knows that he's telling 
the truth. Like she can just tell based on kind of the circumstances. And so what happens is she lulls him to sleep on her lap and then she brings in the Philistine soldiers and they shave his head. And then this is what happens in verse 20. It says, when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Samson's great strength had left him. The Philistines came in, they bound him, he couldn't break free, and they gouged his eyes out so that he couldn't see to fight against them anymore. So here's the question that I think many of us would have for Samson. We'd say, Samson, why didn't you leave after you told Delilah the source of your strength? Because she did this three times. You knew she was going to do it again. Why didn't you just leave? Right? But he doesn't. And then also when they break in, or when they come in, they uh, shave his head, and the words he says is, I will do as I've done before and shake them off. At that point in time, he knew that his hair was gone. He knew his head had been shaved. Why would he still say, I'll do what I've done before. I'll shake them free. And here's why. Is he had come to believe that the source of his strength was himself. He no longer believed that the source of his strength was what God had given to him through the hair. He was like, I'm the guy. I'm the man. I've been strong all these times. I'll just do it again. But he was wrong. The word to us, if we want to fail, is trust in yourself, not in the Lord. Trust in yourself, not in the Lord. Once we've had some success in life, whether it be in your marriage, in ministry, with raising kids, in business, once we've had some success in life following God's principles, it can be kind of easy to go, I got it. I made good choices. I've got the charisma to do this. I've got, and we kind of point to ourselves. And that's what Samson did. He began, it happened so long, they had this great strength that he began to think that he was the source of it. So that's how we fail with God in five easy steps. Have the people around you that influence you the most not be followers of Christ. Do what is right in your own eyes instead of what is right in God's eyes. Get as close to the line of sin as you can without crossing over it. Please people instead of God. And then put trust in yourself instead of the Lord. That's how to fail. I want to talk for a moment and just put down your Bibles, put away your notes, and I just want you to listen for a moment put all that away. As I have gone through these five easy steps to fail, my guess, not my guess, I know that everyone in this room has failed at those. Whether you did one of them or three of them or all five of them, all of us have done that. And the consequences of that in your life may have been small. Maybe just a little bit of struggle may have been just a little bit of a problem. Or the consequences of that in your life, 
of doing some of these things may have been huge. That it cost you your reputation. It cost you a ministry opportunity. It cost you a job. It cost you a marriage. It cost you a relationship. It co- and it cost you dearly. And you're at that point where it's like, man, how do I get back? But here's the beautiful thing about God. And this is the whole reason I think this story exists, is that God is a God of redemption. And God is a God of second chances. And so Samson, his eyes are gouged out. He's made to turn this big mill for a long time. And then they bring him out to entertain the crowds and to kind of laugh at him. And here's what happens. It says, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them. There's this big kind of covered roof, and he's there, and everybody's under it watching. He's next to these two pillars, one with his right hand and one with his left hand. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life. That the Lord allowed him to redeem his life in his final moments. And the fact is, it's never too late. I don't know how far you may have strayed from God in the past. I don't know how many of these things you may have done, how dire the consequences, how difficult the sin that you have entangled yourself in. But the answer is that we are always welcome back with God. If you're a person that has to fill in your notes, how to come back to God after failure, it's one word. It's the word repent. And to repent means to turn around, that we're going this direction. I'm going away from God with whatever it is, and I repent, and I turn towards God. And so in this case, the steps of what it looks like to turn towards God is that we surround ourselves with people who influence us for Christ. We do what is right in God's eyes instead of what is right in our own eyes. We try and stay righteous and far from the line of sin. We seek to please people. I'm sorry, we seek to not please people, but instead we seek to please God, and we trust in the Lord and not in ourselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this time to speak to us, Lord. Show us the things that we need to repent of, because we've been living life right in our own eyes. We've been pleasing people instead of you, We've been trusting in ourselves instead of trusting in you. God, would you bring to mind those things that you want us to repent of? God, I am so thankful that you are a God of second chances, that you are a God of redemption, and that you can take our worst and our deepest and our darkest things and redeem them and cause them to be light again. And God, we ask that you would do that in our lives today.
that you would do that in our lives this morning. We thank you that you are a God of freedom and forgiveness. Let these things sink deep into our hearts. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.